Now for our text, I'm going to ask you to turn to the most misquoted scripture in the Bible. Anybody know what that says? Probably things running through your head. How about Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7. You'll see right when you get there what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verse 1 through verse 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He is giving a sermon on the mount as we know it as, and I'm sure you've heard these verses. I want to take a look at them this morning and see what they mean and what the Lord is speaking of here. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, Then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, I ask your blessing now on this message. You would tune our hearts to you, Lord, and move the distractions away and the things that might block your word, Lord, and just do the work that only you can do. Take the words far beyond what I can ever do and do the work by your spirit, Lord, and give me strength to simply say what is needed. I ask all of this in your name. Amen. So, it's one of those times, again, I found myself all, all set for the next passage in Romans. I'm really excited about that. I'm, uh, I've been learning a lot. My heart has been blessed with our walk through Romans 8 and uh, all of the, the great things we're learning. But sometimes the Spirit directs me other ways, and that's what we're talking about, right? The, following the leading of the Spirit. We've been talking about that for the past several weeks. So, the Lord kind of directed my heart in a different direction, and... I'm going to let him take the lead in that, and and he brought my heart to this passage. And it has everything to do with the recent suicide of Jared Wilson. I don't know if you saw about it, heard about it. Um, Jared was 30, and he was an associate pastor at a uh, megachurch in Riverside. He took his life earlier this week. He was very outspoken about depression, about mental health, uh, dealing with his own issues, and he, he even founded his own organization named Anthem of Hope uh, to help people who dealt with these same things. Uh, but earlier this week, he, uh, he took his own life. He leaves behind a wife and two sons who are four and two. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And he's not the only one. Last August, Andrew Stockline, who is the lead pastor of Inland Hills Church just down the road in Chino, also took his own life. This is a a growing phenomenon we're starting to see. Um, And we just hear about the famous ones. We don't hear about those who the public doesn't know. Listen, In times like these, I don't care about doctrinal differences. 
This is a tragedy. This is a tragedy. A family left without a father. A child of God battling demons. And yes, I say that in every sense of the word. Battling demons we may know nothing about. We ought to mourn. Our hearts ought to break for this. Mourn for his wife and mourn for his children who are without a husband and not without a father. And for a fact that a pastor would come to this point. I, let me just say, and I don't say this to be self-serving or um, dramatic. We have the biggest targets on our backs. Pastors have the biggest targets on our backs. And the assault is unending. It never stops, ever. The attack may come certainly from Satan. Sometimes the attack comes from people, whether they know it or not, or self. I am my biggest enemy sometimes. Or the temptation to sin. It never stops. And the reality is, until you stand in our shoes, you can't really know. And I know what it's like, and my heart breaks for this man, for this family. I was told long ago, and I say the same thing, it's the loneliest job in the world, being a pastor. What brought this sermon to bear is not the tragedy of it, although it is, and we ought to mourn, we ought to, to seek to help each other at all times, to be there for each other at all times. What brought this sermon to bear, and what really hit my heart, is, and what I want to address is some of the reactions that I saw to it. Reactions that are very telling of the human fallen nature and our propensity to sin. There there has been much love and much heartbreak, and that's right. That's right. But not all of it has been that way. This went out on social media very quickly. In fact, the very next day in the morning, the church there wanted to get ahead of it, so it went out there. And if you take time to read the comments, they're staggering. Comments like this, now I'm quoting, I am not saying these, I do not feel these. I am quoting what I read. Quote, Why is it that I am seeing a lot of people making the incorrect statement that heaven has gained a gem? Quoting again, So, since he was a leader and taught the word of God, he commits suicide, and now you believe he's in heaven? Quoting, Are we saying we should encourage suicide? The road is just too hard, so throw in the towel? This is such a selfish act. If he were a true Christian, he would know that. Quoting again, addressed to the lead pastor, Pastor so-and-so, you knew he was mentally ill and had him as a pastor of the flock. What is wrong with you? All of those are absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. Let Let me just clear a couple things up. The only thing that keeps somebody out of heaven is rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior, period. We didn't do anything to earn our salvation. It is by grace through faith. And we can't do anything to lose it. We are kept by the grace of God. We might miss out on some rewards and some blessings, but my home is in heaven forever because I have placed my faith in Christ. And it is the same for each one that does. At the same time, suicide's not the answer. There's other options and there ought to be a support system in place and we ought to love one another. That's another sermon for another time. It's the reactions. Now listen. This may be hard to hear, but listen. Though those comments are disgusting and wrong and sinful, 
perhaps those people are simply the ones bold enough to vocalize thoughts that come into the minds of many. Judgmental, condemning thoughts. They just have the guts to say it. You understand what I'm saying? They're disgusting. But sometimes we all think thoughts along that line, don't we? And it's not just with the subject of suicide. No, I'm talking about whenever somebody falls. When everybody, whenever somebody struggles with sin or they sin in a major way and it makes a huge mess out of everything or maybe they're struggling with it or maybe they have shortcomings, there can be in our minds and in our hearts judgmental, condemning thoughts and attitudes and words. You see, often in those instances when somebody falls or there's, there's a mess or even in our own families or whatever it may be within the church, that within our hearts and minds and in those conversations that we have, we're going to prove if we truly have a Christian heart and attitude or not. How do we react? How do we react when someone falls? I have some simple thoughts this morning that I pray are helpful. Maybe a wake-up call for our own hearts. What do we do when someone falls? First point this morning, be careful of condemning. Be careful of condemning. Notice verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. You've heard that, right? (laughs) You've heard it. Maybe you've said it, and probably wrongly. Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Listen, let me tell you right now what that translates to. Whether you say it or whether somebody else say it, let me tell you what it translates to. Don't question me. Don't question me. And it's usually said because somebody's doing something wrong and they know it. They're doing something somebody wouldn't approve of and they know it and they don't want to have to answer for it because they usually don't have an answer. The times that I have heard it, it's in an attitude of don't judge me because I want to do what I want to do and I don't want you coming all up in here and asking those questions that make me feel bad about doing what I want to do. Sound about right? Is that, is that what Jesus is saying? Is He giving us firepower to use in that way? Well, let's, let's see. The word judge is krino in the Greek, and it means, it means to judge, it means to try, it means to decide, but it carries, decide, it carries with it the idea of condemning. The idea of passing condemnation, which it also is translated as in other places of the Scripture. Now listen, Jesus is not in any way saying we shouldn't evaluate right and wrong. We have to do that, don't we? We have to say, this is right, this is wrong, and we make a judgment call based on it. I'm going to do right, I'm not going to do wrong. It's what we're supposed to do. In fact, Scripture tells us to do it. It's all over Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this. As Moses is speaking to Israel, he says, As I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. What does he say? Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. I've set before you right and wrong and life and death. Choose the right. Choose life. That's going to be a judgment call, isn't it? Joshua 24. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, what does he say? We will what? We will serve the Lord. 
There's a choice made there, isn't it? You guys choose, I've made my choice. This is right, I'm staying with the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, But let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Hebrews chapter 5, But strong meat belongeth to him that are, excuse me, them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He's talking about the Word. The depth of the Word and how we grow in it so that we can be able to tell easier between good and evil. Jesus is not saying don't make a judgment call based on right and wrong. We have to all the time. And listen, sometimes that's going to be with others too, isn't it? Let me give you a couple examples. If someone is to come up and say to you or to me, I believe Buddha is the only way to God. What would our response be to that? No, you're wrong. (laughs) Hopefully in a more loving tone than I just said. No, my friend, you're wrong. Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus says in John 14 and 6, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So we say, no, you're wrong. If someone was to say, I'm thinking of having an abortion. If someone was to say, I'm caught up in pornography. Or I'm caught up in drugs or alcohol or thinking of suicide. We make a righteous judgment and say, no, that's wrong. That thought is wrong. That action is wrong. Why? Because it's not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. And because it goes against what the Bible says, it's not true. It's wrong. In fact, the Bible calls it what? Sin. Sin. The Bible never tells us not to call sin what it is. No, we're to call it out and say, no, this is what God says. In fact, Paul says this in Romans chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Listen, beloved, is this evil? Because the world doesn't like it? Or because even some Christians don't like what it says in it? There's some parts of the Bible people leave out because they don't like it. Is this sin? What does Paul say next? God forbid. No way. In fact, he says, no, I had not known what sin was, but except for the law, except for the word. I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. The Bible tells us what is right and what is wrong, doesn't it? And so we're to use it and say, this is right and this is wrong. And we are to use the truth of Scripture to make a righteous judgment on what is wrong. We are to judge the action. Do you hear that? We are to judge the action. Everybody understand? So what does Jesus say? Or excuse me, what follows after that is where we get in trouble. It's where we start to cross lines. Jesus says, don't condemn. I believe he's talking about the person. We are so quick to hear something, to see something, and instantly it starts, doesn't it? Ah, told you so. I knew it. How could they? How could they do that? I just, I just to see how someone could ever do that. I don't know what they were thinking. They must be lost. They must be sinful. They must be hopeless. They must just not care about anything. We start making those thoughts, don't we? Judgmental, condemning 
thoughts. We see the action and we start condemning the person. And we love to vocalize it sometimes too, don't we? Just about every chance we get, we're trying to vocalize it. Listen, when, fall, when someone is falling or fallen in sin, when someone is struggling with different areas, the human tendency is to assassinate their character. To make a judgment call on their character. To tear them down in the midst of their tragedy or their world-shattering sin. And we step very quickly to condemn their motives, their heart, and their relationship with God. Let me just say, Jesus says don't do that. That attitude actually is disgusting to God. Because it equals one thing. Pride. Pharisees were quick to condemn others, weren't they? People who think they are perfect are quick to condemn others. Well, let me give you a newsflash. Ain't one of us perfect. We've all got our own sins. We've all got our own failures, don't we? And there is no room for pride in the church. The Bible's very clear. It says this in Romans chapter 2. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Because thou that judgest doest the same things. What right do I have to condemn somebody else when I've got sin in my own life? I've got my own failings. Maybe you don't see them. Maybe you don't hear about them. Maybe I don't hear or see about all of yours, but they're there, aren't they? But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit, some, which commit such things. Paul is saying, hey, God's going to take care of it, and His judgment will be true. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? You think you're going to get away with it? James chapter 4, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before the destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There's no room for pride, so how about we be careful to condemn somebody? How about we be careful to hear something and automatically jump to to conclusions like we can do because we're all just a step away from the same thing, aren't we? There's a song we sing, Come Thou Fount. And there's a line in there. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Bind my wandering heart to Thee. That's each and every one of us. We all have a great capacity to fall because we're all sinners saved by grace. And except for the grace of God, I could fall the same way. And what happens if you were to fall? Notice verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Listen, if you were to fall in sin or if I was to fall in sin, do we want people passing condemnation on me? Not knowing the struggle that might have come before that fall? The struggle that might have come before that action? Not knowing the broken heart that you may have for how you have failed your family? How you have failed your brethren? How you have failed God? Do you want others looking down their self-righteous nose while you're just looking for help and love and the comfort that God forgives sinners? 
then don't do it to somebody else. Listen, understand this. The Bible's pretty clear. Jesus says things like, you better forgive others so your heavenly Father can forgive you. It may not be somebody else that returns this judgment to you. It may not be somebody else that returns this measure. It may be God Himself when you stand before Him. This is pretty serious. Sometimes we pass it off or we just don't think much about it. Jesus says here, do not do it, lest you receive the same back. But we're so prone to this. Why is it that we're so quick to assume that everyone who falls into sin or everybody who struggles with sin just absolutely loves what they're doing and doesn't care about anything else? When that could be so far from the truth. I think it's pride. I think it's the human tendency to build ourselves up. Listen, let me just say right now, all of that is sinful. It's sinful, and we need to repent of it if we find it in our own hearts. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a root. You know, it's amazing what bitterness or unforgiveness or even guilt over our own sins can cause us to do. The attitudes it can cause us to have. I need to look first into my own heart and say, Lord, get it out. And you know, over time, somehow it crept in the church. Sometimes God's people can be like the worst at this, and that's sad. You know, we ought to be more concerned as God's people with forgiveness rather than finding fault. And if we find any of this judgmentalism or condemning spirit in our hearts, we need to get it out because you know what? Sometimes that's why people go on struggling with sin, trying to keep it secret because they'd rather um, conceal it than confess it because they're scared of what people are going to think. That's wrong. That's wrong. So let's be careful not to condemn people. There's right and wrong, there's actions, and then there's the person. We ought not to condemn the person. We ought to say, this is sin, this is right, or this is wrong, but have a Christ-like spirit with the person. Judge not, lest you be judged. Point number two, let's be careful of correcting. So we've got to be careful to condemn. Let's be careful of correcting. Notice verse 3. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? How will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote, the speck, I'm, I'm sure some of the translations say, let me pull the speck out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Listen, we all have faults. Some of us are just specks in our eyes. Some have huge 4 by 4 sticking out. And it seems like you can't speak to them without it hitting you in the face. We all have faults to different extents. And we are so quick to help sometimes. And by help, (laughs) I mean, let me tell you each and every way that you're wrong. I'll point it out. In fact, I can be an expert in your failing. No, we've got our own issues, don't we? I've got my own 4x4s or 2x4s or 
specks in my own life that I have to get over every day. Lord, take them out of my life. I failed again. I hope God never gets tired, though I feel like He does sometimes, of me saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. How many times a day do I pray that? How many times a day do you pray that? Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up again. And sometimes it's for the same things. I should know better, but you know what? He's so gracious to stoop down, to pick me up, to pick out the, the gravel. You ever, if you've had kids, you know what it's like when they skin their knee on a black top or in the dirt. Sometimes you've got to pick out the rocks. Sometimes the Lord's got to do that with me. Maybe it's a beam. Maybe it's a big splinter. Maybe it's a speck. But He picks it out, doesn't He? Now, instead of trying to correct every chance we get, maybe we ought to look at ourselves first. You know, we have a tendency to beat each other over the head. Well, yeah, sometimes with our own sins. Human tendency is that way. How about we point each other to Christ? That's helpful. Pointing people who are fallen in sin, even pointing ourselves to Christ, loving them like Christ, treating them like Christ. You know what happens? There's a, there's a, for time we won't go there, but there's an example in John 8 when a woman is caught in adultery. There's some shady things going on behind the scenes there, but a woman is caught in adultery and all these Pharisees and chief priests and all, they bring her to Jesus and says, look, this is what the law says. The law says she should die. What does Jesus do? He says, Whoever's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he sits down and writes. And one by one, they drop the stones and walk away, don't they? It's what Jesus says to the woman. He says this, Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That's the love of Christ. That's the love that bought our salvation. That's the love that bought heaven for us. That removes condemnation and gives to us righteousness. That's what the Bible describes that happens at salvation. Are we not to be a lighthouse of that same attitude? We are. You know, Jesus didn't say what she did was right. He said, go and sin no more. But He says, I'm not going to condemn you. How many times has God done that for me? How many times has God done that for you? Maybe we ought to consider ourselves first. I've got enough work to do on me before I start worrying about somebody else. Now, now listen, let's just make this point. We need to be clear, sin is sin. And there are scriptural standards, which we all violate to one extent or another, but there are scriptural standards of right and wrong. And there might be times when we have to step in and say, hey, you need to stop right now. Because what you're doing is wrong. Or where you're going, or this path you're headed down is wrong. And there are times when instruction, and you know what? Maybe even discipline is needed. Matthew chapter 18 talks about that. But listen very closely. Almost all the time when that is the case, it's because somebody has an unrepentant heart. They're not listening to the instruction. They don't care. Somebody who willingly chooses to do wrong with no care for what God might say. 
that's different than somebody who makes a mistake, even a big one. There's a difference. So how about instead of picking at one another, we pray for one another? How about we love and labor with one another and bear one another's burdens? Paul says this in Galatians chapter 4, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He's having to work with these churches in Galatia because they, un- they just weren't understanding some things like they should have. And he had to keep teaching the basics and keep bringing them back. You know what? Listen, there might be some work we have to do with one another. God has brought me a great distance to be where I'm in. And you know what? He's still working with me. He hasn't given up on me. Maybe we should do the same for each other. There might be some laboring we have to do with each other, but we do it because of Christ, right? And let God do the work only He can do. Let Him take the beams out. Let Him take the beams out of our own eyes. And when that beam is gone, let it be gone. There might be scars somebody might bear because of their own past sins. But let it be the past. How about we have very, very short memories when it comes to each other's failings? Then we can be a help. Then we can help our brother. Once we've considered our own failing, we can help others work through theirs. So let's be careful before we condemn. Let's be careful in correction. And the last point this morning, let's be careful to convey grace. Let's be careful to convey grace. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 6, and this is where we'll end. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 1 or we're going to read down through verse 10. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You see that, what Paul's talking about there? Restoration, not condemnation, is the goal. If a man be overtaken in a fault, restore such a one. Even in cases of discipline, even when somebody just flat out walks away and they don't care, restoration is the goal. We want to see them restored and walking right with God. And we ought to reach out and to to seek to restore them in a spirit of meekness, gentle, humble, Considering ourselves, because we all have the same temptations, right? But it's restoration that is the goal. 
He says there in verse 2, bear one another's burdens. (laughs) That's what a church is to do. We're to come alongside each other and lift each other up. You know what? Some people may, may need more lifting than others. I had to carry my kids a lot of places for the first few years. And sometimes there were times I wish, why can't you just walk a little faster? That way I don't have to haul you all around Disneyland or the fair or whatever it is. Because I'm getting kind of tired. I wish, now I kind of wish those days were back. You know, I try to pick one of them up now and it's like a, a sack of lead weights. It's, it's getting a little harder. But you know what, there's, they're kids. What do you expect? There might be some people at different levels within the church. Some people who are just learning their spiritual legs and we might have to lift them up and help carry There might be people who might have broken a leg because they sinned pretty bad. What do we do? We come alongside them. We help. We bear one another's burdens. That's what we're called to do. And when we do that, Christ is exalted and Christ is displayed. Because in reality, without Him, we're nothing, right? So we ought to display Him. We ought to... Act and love as He does. We're called to love one another, aren't we, as He has loved us? How many times has He been faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us? Should we not do the same with each other? His people ought to be marked by His grace. We all need His grace and we all need each other's grace. Look in verse 7. Here's a thought for you. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Listen, there might be some who have to deal with the consequences of sin. They might be reaping some things they did earlier. Sometimes that might last for the rest of their life. They're going to need grace. They're going to need help as they reap this hard fruit. They're going to need love and help. They're not going to need condemnation. They're not going to need a judgmental spirit. They're going to need us to lift each other up, right? So rather than continually remind them of the past, let's continually remind them of God's love and God's healing. And let God do the work that only He can do. And listen, I can't change people's hearts. You can't change people's hearts. God changes hearts. But you know what? I can be a conduit of the love of God. I can be an example of the grace of God in somebody's life. There are testimony after testimony of how people came to Christ. They came to know Him in a salvation because of the love of a Christian person in their life. Just treating them normal when maybe their life was really messed up or maybe they had fallen into some just sin. And somebody who knew Jesus was there to be a light of the love of Christ and the grace of Christ. I've heard of people's hearts being touched within the body of Christ because people were loving and helped them through some hard times some hard losses or some sins they might have struggled through. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. 
We ought to come along and say, I know this may be hard, brother. I know this may be hard, sister, but how can I help? Because there might be some shame that they have to face. But listen, grace erases shame, doesn't it? I'm not ashamed of my past and the things that I've done because those are taken care of by God's grace. By grace I have been delivered through those. Saved from those. There might be some self-consciousness, but love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? The church is the place where we need to be able to be vulnerable. We need to be able to confess freely, to support each other, to help one another, to... Allow God to mend our broken lives at times. So we need each other. Look at verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them which are of the household of faith. The greatest opportunities we can have to to do good and to show good is how we respond when somebody falls. So let's do good. Let's be careful of condemning. Let's be careful of correcting. And let's be oh so careful to convey grace. I need to close with this point. Sermons like this, subjects like this, can make it really easy for us to point the finger. I hope so-and-so is listening. Amen, do you hear that? (laughs) After all, don't you know what they've done to me? It's their fault I left. It's their fault I didn't repent. It's their fault whatever fell in the blank. And we can start with a they and the them. And Listen, I understand people can be jerks. But we're not here for people. We're here because God saved us. We're here to worship our Lord and Savior and to become more like Him. And God is working in my heart to get me there because I'm not there when I should be. And you know what? Neither is anybody else. So don't expect them to be like Christ. He's getting us there, isn't He? And, well, look at verse 4. Let every man prove his own work. Let every man prove his own work. Then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not another, for every man shall bear his own burden. We are still responsible for our own actions. We don't have the freedom to run around and do whatever we want hiding behind the paper shield of don't judge me. And we can't use other people as an excuse. We're responsible for ourselves. And by the way, to condemn a church or to condemn another person based on their wrong actions is the same condemning spirit just in reverse. So perhaps each one of us just need to take a look at our own life. And maybe we need to confess or repent of some things. Maybe some attitudes or actions that go against what the Bible says. Let's stop trying to seek to justify everything we do. And maybe we just got to get before God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner here and here and here. Help me. I have not done right. We should all be willing to confess our own sins. We should all be willing to accept help when we need it or to give help when it's needed and to promote a Christ-like spirit in all things. Listen, I don't know how the Lord may have spoken to you through this message, but maybe you need help with your own heart as I need help with mine. 
Too much condemnation at times. Too much judgmentalism. Not when it comes to right and wrong, but when it comes to the person. What makes us so quick to condemn others? Is it bitterness within your own heart? Is it unconfessed sin? Is it pride? Maybe it's time to get those things right with God. Maybe it's time that we repent, which means turn away, and ask for a gracious heart. One that shows and loves and points to Him. Maybe this morning you're struggling with your own sin and nobody knows. And you're tired of bearing the weight alone. May I, would just, may I just say, I would urge you to confess that to God and ask for help. Let us lift you up and help each other along the way. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask your blessing on the words that have been spoken. Help us in our hearts and in our minds as sometimes we are too quick to condemn others and have judgmental thoughts, Lord. I ask that you would just take those tendencies away. Show us where we are wrong. Show us where we are not like you, Lord, in, in, in areas and help us to be ready to confess and to repent. Lord, I, I just pray that you would do the work that only you can do and... and uh, Move as only you can move. If there's any who might be struggling with this, that they would freely turn to you and ask for grace. And if there may be somebody who's fallen in sin and maybe not confessing or maybe not seeking for help, that you would just help us to lift them up to be an encouragement and a a help to them, Lord. Just ask that you use these words as You see fit. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.